Good evening and welcome one and all once again to another episode of I Am The Night. With me, as always, is the mighty, the wonderful, the incredible Adam Ray. Oh, it's so good to be back. What a dream of an experience we're having today and what a dream of an experience <laughs> Batman has been through in episode 30 of Batman the Animated Series. It's funny you said that because all of a sudden I just Couldn't had no. flashbacks of um, Eddie Murphy in Mulan when he does his... Uh, Batman thing as the little dragon goes, I'm your worst nightmare. Yeah, you always did like it whenever Disney like tried to shoehorn their little um, little Batman references in it. The best other one I can think of was when it was on today. Actually, was when Lilo and Stitch dresses himself up as Batman yes. in the laundry. Yes, has to be done. Best hero ever, but we're biased, of course. And yes, as you said, this is a dream of an episode in more ways than one. Hmm. Yes, we. Start to ask ourselves the questions because we're. This is episode thirty. It's a nice, satisfying Crazy, round yeah. number, so we can ask ourselves the bold, deep, almost philosophical questions about Batman. So we have to wonder what it would be like for him to f- abandon his way of life as Crusade, and we have to ask ourselves what his existence would look like if that fateful night in Park Row, Crime Alley, what have you, didn't happen. Mm. And we get a real snapshot of that, and it's an interesting thing to sort of. Look out on the fringes, but something to not really dabble in because we have to wonder about reality even from the offset. Totally well put, absolutely. But it's also another case of uh, what I love to call synchronicity because I was just chatting about the subject of can Batman ever truly be happy with with a a great friend and a co-writer on the site, uh, Max. Hi, Max. Hello. Um, he, he posed that question to me as well. And, uh, well, it seems like he can, but he won't let himself. I think that's the clear answer we get from this episode. The immediate reaction he gets waking up in Wayne Manor after the whammy he's been put on him is that he immediately rejects what he's seeing. He knows what his reality is, and it's so clear in his mind, be it from his long-standing mental training or vigor or what have you that he has to get himself back to what his true north is and anything that shakes that or isn't quite what he remembers or believes he immediately puts into question he puts into very rigorous testing straight from the offset so we know yeah it would be nice for him to have like a mundane simple life with alfred and the simple reimagining of his parents but he doesn't quite get to live that it's funny as well because it's like from from the very beginning because we know that something's up because the episode starts with him as Batman chasing down these crooks brilliant car chase beautifully directed for the show I liked it because it was just such quick changes beautiful shots of like down those thin alleyways and we don't even hear any background music it's all just screeching tires and a clapped out engine compared to a jet engine yeah and then he climbs into that warehouse that thing descends upon his noggin and boom, all of a sudden he's awake in the manor and things aren't right. And we said it watching it. We we were feeling it too. This is messed up. Or um, we didn't use the word messed, but this is yeah. a family show. Family show from a family show. And yeah, it's just so obvious because as Batman fans and as people who have sat through 30 episodes of this and 80 years-ish of comics, Mm -hmm. we know what Batman's existence looks like. We know who he is and what he's about, and we definitely know what he is not and what he is not surrounded by. So hearing Alfred have no no knowledge of the Batcave, seeing Martha and Thomas Wayne, 
and I had a lot to say about them because they were all very, very well portrayed in this episode, even though they weren't. They were there, but they weren't there. We have to immediately pause with Batman. We, as the viewer, start to question yeah. what's real and what isn't. That's just, which is why it's so good and psychological. This episode, yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 sad in a way. It's bittersweet that you see Thomas and Martha as an old couple, grey haired, and they're just beautifully designed and drawn and put together. And the way the Thomas just sounds like an old and slightly more tired Bruce is mm. fantastically done again. But then you get the wonderful realism yeah. of him having, I don't know what they're called, um, medical professionals out there who may listen to the show, please correct me. But he had the eye inspector torch thing yes, in his top pocket. Yes, yes. It just shows that he's just the retired doctor. The, the light to, to check for pupil dilation. Pupil dilation and just yes. like reaction times, I think. Yes, what well, you give to people who've had concussions or in comas, indeed. Um, yeah, well, he's a doctor. Yeah. He's a surgeon and one of the greatest Gotham's ever seen. So that's... Yes, but that's just amazing that that's just such a clear thing mm. that... Bruce remembers psychologically, but it's also not something that we, the viewers, if assuming someone who's gone f- into the show fresh, would necessarily know. That's very true. Yes, it's a very specific comics detail that yeah. they very easily gloss over. Mm. But to those who know the extended lore, just be like, very yeah. nice, which is just satisfying. It's just actually, a wonderful bit of res- wonderful bit of respect to the character. Thank you, son. That's actually a really keen observation. I hadn't thought about because obviously for the casual viewer, for someone who isn't. Uh, nerdzilla like we are that's a very telling thing and it's a very great character moment for for Thomas Wayne it's the same as um, the stethoscope in um, the Christopher Nolan movies yeah we get that very loosely saying is that where you work no 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 I work at the hospital yeah but even less than that here we just yeah. see him with the eye checker torch thing yeah just to make sure his son's okay but it's still just a, such a truth about the character that is just so clearly present as straight away that we don't get the chance to question it or doubt it it's always there lovely well spotted well spotted um it's great though as well that even though this is a completely different world and and it is wrong it feels wrong as much to the viewer as it does to bruce that alfred is still so alfred it's just a delight some things don't change i don't think some things <laughs> change because <laughs> He doesn't have the thing that he had in our world, in the correct timeline, if you will, where he's sort of lightly ribbing on Bruce, but still giving him the due diligence and care because he needs to watch out for the boy he's raised. He's let his actual parents raise him over the course of his lifetime. So he's allowed to slip himself into this more joking, more jovial, but still very much so in the fringes servitor sort mm-hmm, of role mm-hmm. he's not as proactive towards Bruce because he doesn't need to be he's more the butler less the surrogate parent exactly yeah. because he never got the chance to in this version of events so he's allowed to be a little bit more sarcastic but obviously he's a bit more withdrawn and the interactions that you would get yes. with him in this episode you get with Thomas Wayne yeah absolutely it's a little bit colder that warmth that 30 odd years of raising Bruce has gone but he's still got the wit and the wide-eyed wonder at what the hell are you talking about yeah because some things really don't change honestly because 
just imagine how it would be just to be coming out with this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It sounds intensely outlandish and crazy and stupid mm-hmm. and incorrect. So that's one thing that doesn't ever change. Yeah. Spot on. But what did you make of the whole thing that in his subconscious, especially considering how fledgling their relationship is in this show, how Bruce sees himself with Selena and how comics nerds watching this episode for the first time will jump up and punch the air because, again, to me, she is the only woman good enough for or capable of even being with Bruce. It's very telling and it's sort of true to form because I think pretty sure she was one of the first female characters introduced in that entire sort of world of Batman. She's like his third or actually no girlfriend. She wasn't his girlfriend for decades, but main female characters that all Judy Madison, a couple of others. Um yeah, literally about a year later, uh, Batman number one, where Catwoman was introduced, was literally within a year of, of his first appearance in Taken twenty seven. And uh, compared to some of those characters you've named or failed to name. Uh, she, she hasn't gone she hasn't, since she hasn't gone since. If anything the character's evolved and has been the headliner of multiple issues by multiple writers and artists teams the mm. world over. Um, hor- horrendous Halle Berry movies notwithstanding. She's a, <laughs> uh, she's a very important character. So when you consider... That wasn't is, Selena though, so... Don't defend that movie, <laughs> please. Um, but still, that character is just so important to the wider... Oh, absolutely. ...vision of Batman that... It's the natural choice, and as a female character in that vision, it's an even more natural choice because still further ahead, we're still further on the other potential candidate for that being Talia is way off down the line. Yes, in this show, yes, too grand a scope, and that's perfectly okay. Well, Catwoman was nineteen forty; Talia was the nineteen seventies. So, and within the scope of this show, mention of the League of Assassins and all the bad good stuff is like way ahead, way way ahead, thirty forty episodes plus. Yeah, I think. But it's a natural choice and it makes a lot of sense, especially if we consider the other on-screen portrayals of the excellent Pfeiffer and a couple of other on-screen things that made this episode feel very dreamlike when you because it's compared to other bits of on-screen Batman media, but we'll get to that sort of in, as well, we go. I'm really glad you said that, actually, because I've got to say that there hasn't been a live-action portrayal of Catwoman apart from... Because that wasn't Selena, so I discount it completely. Yeah. Right, let's rephrase. There hasn't been a live action uh, version of Selena that I haven't really enjoyed in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was fantastic. Cameron McCondover in Gotham was fantastic. Um, Anne Hathaway in Dark Knight Rises was fantastic. So, yeah, um, let's see what uh, Zoe Kravitz brings to the role in the. The Matt Reeves movie coming very soon very to soon a theatre near you. Very soon indeed. <laughs> very exciting. I think she'll do well. I think she'll do well. She has the catty sort of look, mm-hmm. sort of. And she can act. That's Good. that's, that's my the main most criteria. important part. That's always the most important that's part. That's my main criteria. Hmm, interesting. So, but in your mind then, would you agree that Catwoman and Batman, Selina and Bruce are the couple? Yeah, I'd say they're up there with Clark and Lois Lane's uh, DC's Great wow. Power Couple. Wow. Uh, personally, and I'll always remember, I don't know which issue it was, or it might have been a Superman issue, but I remember a side-by-side conversation of Batman and Catwoman going into like this block of apartments, and Superman and Lois flying into the same place, oh, yes. and they're meeting Brilliant. each other. Yes. But it maxed 
perfect sense for that for those two couples to be meeting for the double date and Selena and Lois just very casual when they meet each other but Batman and Superman have talked each other up to such great grandiosis so so in terms of DC power couples it's those two so it was the absolute natural completely perfect choice I could not agree that was from Tom King's brilliant run leading up to what sadly didn't end up being a wedding in, in his run on Batman with a the, the double date things and that was, that was some of the funniest brilliant but again deepest psychological the, the way Batman describes Superman to Selina and the way Lois uh, Superman describes Batman to Lois is just so telling they both really hold each other in high esteem but not themselves yeah. and it's just amazing to see because they are the two greatest heroes in the world but they have more faith in the opposite other. number than, than, than in themselves it's, it's fantastic so yeah um, wow there is importance Clark and Lois yeah I can't argue with that I, I agree with that wholeheartedly they, they are my favourite couple in comics along with Clark and Lois Peter and MJ um, Ollie and Dinah and Ralph and Sue but you know a lot of people out there are saying who, but oh, forgive my nerd nerdisms. That's that's just the way I. If am. you're uncertain about who those characters are, we have a very important message at the end of this episode. Indeed. So obviously, it, it should have been clear, but again, the writers on this show, hmm. and this episode, it was Laren Bright, Michael Reeves, with a script by the wonderful Joe Arlines. They're a great American writer, uh, and they still hoodwinked us. It was there from the beginning. The, the title of the episode was Perchance to Dream hmm. which is from To Sleep Perchance to Dream yeah. and I still didn't actually get that what Bruce was explaining was a dream until the scene where Batman appears Bruce and Selina run out into the street and the name of the building is in complete gibberish and I thought of course wait it was Duh. it was nonsense even that early on in the episode yes oh, did you I not mean, see me have a hello moment yeah I saw you have a hello moment I didn't know what the hello moment was that, for that was it uh, the building I, was, I was I was reasonably sure it was a dream or some sort of dreamlike state mm-hmm. from the beginning. So the 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 garbled letters in the books and the newspaper was what clenched it for me yeah. and of course for Bruce Wayne. But outside the thing, because I saw the big W E Wayne Enterprises, yeah. But it was like W E News. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. I spotted that, and that's when I was, oh duh. Brr. But the whole Manhattan thing. Um, and I have seen this one before. I clearly remember that title episode. I clearly remember him at the top of the bell tower calling for Batman. I clearly remember the whole, uh, as you so beautifully put it, when we were watching the movie. I love Superman three <laughs> because when you see that moment, like, and I like, I'm with you. I don't hate Superman three as I much as don't. most people. I really don't. It's not great but it's not terrible it's got wonderful moments and wonderful ideas yes and that scene in the junkyard plot Kent versus Superman is just so wild and out there it still looks great today yeah in terms of like the actual doubling sort of stuff yeah it still looks pretty good well what they did was they were able they had to they used a lot more in-person shots with um, Christopher Reeve's Superman because like getting him from behind with the glasses you can get that with the right jawline Mm. on a stuntman but a lot of the actual side-by-side stuff yeah. that was still post-production yes. layering each other on, which was hard yeah. to do. In Back the then, 80s. before CGI, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you compare that moment to this, where you see the face persona and the costume hero fighting it, fighting it out, it's a really good way of showing like an internal struggle. Mm. And 
the duality that you get within these superheroes. But another thing I want to really point out about that scene was that it took place in a belfry right at the top during a heavy thunderstorm, just Mm. showing the storm going on in his mind, but it also really reminded me at the end of Tim Burton's first movie. Exactly that. That great confrontation at the end of Belltale when, at that point, Bruce Wayne was also really doubting himself when he was going up against the Joker and he was already sort of like poisoned and injured. Yeah. So it's a really good way of showing just doubt, uncertainty, twinges of madness perfect ways to like illustrate that and shoot that I yeah. completely agree with you this whole episode was so well directed by Boyd Kirkland and you are quite right I was going to say the same thing again you, you, you totally nailed it that storm is completely um, an outside depiction of what's going on inside Bruce's mind because it literally is a storm he is fighting himself physically in the fight between Bruce and Batman, but also emotionally, because how easy would it be to just embrace this dream mm. and, and take it at face value, but he knows it's not real. And we both said it at the exact same moment that it's another great touch and connection with Batman and Superman because the amazing Alan Moore wrote um, for The Man Who Has Everything in 85, seven years before this episode, and did more or less the same story with the alien plant which put Superman to sleep which Mongol trapped him with to send him back to a crypt on the Villain Expo to live a life of, of normalcy with his parents and both heroes escaped the same way I think it's a real testament to their heroism that they both mm-hmm. had a very similar sort of adverse reaction they woke up and immediately questioned their reality they had such strong memories of who they were outside the dream of them doing heroic things them having suffered losing the thing that they are now suddenly surrounded by yeah so they're immediately disorientated and questioning it from the beginning and we do see bruce start to own it and start to take it until he's like punching the emotional liver seeing those garbled letters and reminded that this isn't really real Mm. and he can't trust what he sees and he knows what his real life is actually like and what seems like madness to everyone else he has to strive to go get it back Absolutely. And again, like you said, it shows their true heroism because they're turning their back on everything they've ever really wanted just to keep fighting that interminable, never-ending battle. And for me, even though it's a story that's familiar, as I said, we've seen it with Superman a few years before, um, it's still great to see Batman's take, what Batman's ideal would have been, Hmm. just to have that glimpse into his psyche I mean the depths and psychology in a cartoon again mind blowing it's not not something you'd ever get that layer of depth or exploration or danger of how they treat their characters in most other TV like this for this age and demographic you don't get stories like this anymore which is kind of sad but it also makes this one so much more special absolutely you usually get stuff this deep sometimes in live action TV let alone in animation yeah I don't watch much TV anymore I don't and, blame that's, you. and that's why yeah. to be honest sometimes you get amazing art like this that really makes you think about your own reality it's almost like in like comparing it to It's a Wonderful Life to be perfectly mm. honest yeah yeah. or Wizard of Oz yeah to yeah. have to wonder is are you willing to take your own world at face value or are you willing to accept the bad things that have happened to you because that 
has made you what you are and what you chose to be instead yeah. of just getting the nicest version sort of handed back to you because for Bruce to live that ideal life his parents didn't pass away obviously mm. but he went on to be the trust fund rich kid yeah. the would have actually now that I think about it would have got him turned to wood in the previous episode yes exactly that exactly that that life wouldn't have worked for him he, he's no. not that kind of a person and I don't think I've seen that question reality kind of power since the original Matrix. Again, I discount the two sequels. <laughs> so um, let's see what Matrix 4 is like when it comes, because apparently it's happening. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. But still, we digress. We're talking about Batman and something that's actually good in this episode, Perchance to Dream. So, as always, Adam, main takeaways are things that stood out, good, bad or ugly, from Perchance to Dream. It was a really good riverboat down Batman's subconscious. I really appreciated the exploration we got to see, just how willing he's attached to his world. And yeah, it was a very brave and sort of bold episode. I loved it as a whole, I would say. Good stuff. I like the fact that this is probably the first episode, and this is episode 30 now, which is totally concentrated on Bruce Stroke Batman. Mm. And that's huge. And another thing now that you've brought it back up, it's very interesting to say that the whole time he was focused as Bruce, mm. but still in the Batman yes. voice. Because that's his, normal, that's his normal voice. Yeah. The chirpy Bruce Wayne voice, that was nowhere to be seen in this episode. Yeah. Which is funny because the Batman that he fought was still very nice for Kevin Conroy, which is this shade yeah. more gruff somehow. Yeah. Menacing. Yeah, it's just amazing vocal range from Kevin Conroy, but we can talk about how great he is on an entire episode. Forever and a day. Yeah, it stood out to me that this was a totally Batman Bruce-centric episode, and I really felt that. And it was very enlightening to see a life that could have been for him. And the most important thing is, Batman has always been a creature of darkness, figure of night and fear, but I've always found him really relatable. But this episode actually made him a bit more human and even more relatable than I, I could have possibly imagined. Just seeing that lighter side of him that could have been, but he rejects it because it's not right, is just, again, testament to his heroism and the character himself. He has to choose to forego that which is easy for the sake of what's right yeah and that's a true heroic act right there just like he did with the uh, tram and Leslie a couple of episodes back exactly yeah brilliant so that's it that's another episode in the can I've loved talking about this one because anything that digs into the psychology I mean this is us talking about a cartoon that's inspired by a comic and it's still some of the deepest stuff you can catch if to anyone who has not seen this series go out for 35 40 quid you can get the either the dvd or blu-ray box set do it you will not be sorry so as always i will say farewell but before i do because as adam mentioned earlier we need to hear from you so tell us what the pointy lighty in the eye thingy is called you medical professionals out there and Adam how can they do that how can they let you know what the pointy thingy eye thing is called well you can tweet me direct about what the pointy lighty eye thingy torch thing is on twitter at is it tinkerer you can also read my writing uh, in and around batman flavored things on dark knight news and dc comics news we're reviewing many titles per month 
Uh, you can f- check in my own other outside of the DC Universe writing on our baby, fantasticuniverses.com, yes. where I talk about my one true love, tabletop gaming. And a new venture from me, if you tune into The Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube, you can catch me and my university friends playing uh, online games very badly for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> very badly. Brilliant. And you can catch me again on the aforementioned Dark Knight News and DC Comics News, where I have a multitude of news reviews and interviews on there the easiest way to catch all of that is just do a simple search for steve j ray again you can catch us on fantastic universes and on multitude of podcasts around the dc universe the original dc comics news podcast the spinner rack where we tell you what we think is the best comics of that week from dc the mad love harley quinn cast where we break down episodes week by week of the insane harley quinn animated series and of course this one our favorite one the bat show where as always he is the night, we are the night, the I am the night podcast. You can catch all of those on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Play. And you can catch both Dark Knight News and DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube and Instagram. So catch me on Twitter at E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Spilling over my tongue there. And we'll see you next week. But until then, what does everyone need to do, Sam? Read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now.